Welcome to the Playbook for Amazon podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lieber, and the goal of this podcast is to share what's working today that's helping my company, Turnkey Product Management, sell over eight figures per year on Amazon for our clients. We will share with you the actionable steps, systems, and playbook that you can plug into your business to boost your sales on Amazon. Let's go. Hey guys, in today's episode, we have a special guest. It's Carlos Alvarez. He is the host of the podcast Wizards of Amazon podcast and he is also the CEO of Bluebird Marketing Solutions and he is a very very smart Amazon seller he's been selling since I think 2009 and we talked about a lot of different stuff I got to pick his brain on on the different ways he diversifies his business so he not only does private label but he also has uh, wholesale as well he also does Amazon merch in addition to that so he's really diversified his business in a lot of ways so there's a lot of cool stuff there talked about how to use giveaways and giveaway softwares in order to build up a list build an audience and use that for ranking so a lot of really great stuff and then of course we talked about uh, the latest that we're seeing with the coronavirus and how it's affecting Amazon sellers and brands and what to do about it you know what what are some actions that we can take um, so all the latest stuff so um, I really think you get a lot out of this um, and then of course with the coronavirus um, we did come out with our latest version of the report now for how to survive and thrive on Amazon during the coronavirus. Um, and we also have our list of pre-vetted um, third-party warehouses that you can use for FBM shipments and inventory management. So we, we finally got that together. And so you can go get that at turnkeyproductmanagement.com resource. So make sure to check that out if that's helpful to you. Um, but anyways, this is a really, really strong, amazing, helpful episode. I learned a lot, and I think you guys will get a lot out of it. So let's dive in. All right, we have Carlos Alvarez. It is an honor to have you come on the podcast. I've been following you for years. I'm a big fan of your Wizards of Amazon podcast and much more. Uh, appreciate you taking the time today. What's up, man? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's good to see you again. We met up, uh, I think a month or two ago at a San Diego meetup group that you were uh, down here for and uh, we got to visit for a while and have a couple beers. So that, that was a good, a good time. Yeah, it was amazing. I'm, it was a meetup after social media marketing world or during social media marketing world time in San Diego. A bunch of amazing people helped me put it together because I don't know anything about San Diego. And then I see you and I'm like, freaking know this guy. like. Like, and then it, it, it's amazing. Like, I, cause I listen to your podcast, I follow your stuff and, and I, and I see your face and it's all, it's in my inbox. It's, and I associate it with good content. So I'm like, you, you feel like I've known this guy forever. Like we're BFFs and you're like, Oh, this is, this is Jeff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, it was, it was, I didn't expect to see you there. I don't know if you had RSVP, but it was amazing to see you. Yeah, and it's funny because I felt the same way and I had no idea you would have known who I am. But I was like, I know who you are. <laughs> You're like, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. So that's the funny thing about, uh, you know, the podcast or, you know, e-commerce world. So, uh, but yeah, so for those that don't know, uh, just catch people up. I mean, you've got obviously a very, I can't even do it justice to speak to your background and what you, you know, what you're working on. So can you just kind of catch us up a short, short version of it, I guess? Uh, yeah, I guess short, short version. Uh been selling successfully over 14 years on Amazon full-time uh, before that nothing of note to brag about really just nowhere fast um, I, I think I don't know why but uh, 
most people think of me as the one who sells the insects of an insect brand I sold way in the beginning. Um, and now once my non-compete ended, I also sell, but I sell a lot of other brands on Amazon. Uh, in addition to selling physical products, I uh, started an agency uh, nine years ago, helping Amazon sellers. I, four years ago, almost four years ago, I started an Am a really small Amazon seller meetup group, which has you know, grown into the largest Amazon seller meetup group in the world. We meet 18 times a month now. Uh, and we're maintaining that schedule on Zoom. So what we were talking about before we went live about do I know this feature and that feature on how I can do this in Zoom, I didn't. And in one of our meetups, we got Zoom bombed by some people screen sharing porn. It was horrible. Um, yeah, no, it's horrible. Thank God you know the settings. Yeah, happily married, four dogs, two kids, and love what I do. That's the shortest intro I've ever done. Nice. That was perfect. Wow, that's pretty crazy. That people I've never had that happen before, but uh yeah. Humiliating. That's crazy. Humiliating. I, I had probably had two hundred people in the room on Zoom and and then all of a sudden there's like a coordinated attack almost. It just imagine the worst even it wasn't even if there is such a thing as good porn, there wasn't it, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And then you're seeing the videos of some of your friends and some of them are, you know, women, married, they're in their home, they jump off their computer they come back with their husbands and i'm just like no i know who's this who's this who's this carlos alvarez you've been meeting with 18 times a month at your meetup <laughs> yes yeah right this is that guy i disappear with and see every saturday right <laughs> wow amazon gone wild well yeah that, that's awesome and uh so yeah we're gonna dive into a lot of different stuff i'd love to pick your brain and uh just want to throw it out there that so we're recording this on april 8th 2020 it's obviously a fast changing time right now with the coronavirus COVID-19 and how it's affecting sellers and so um, we're gonna give us you know we're, I think we should cover that uh, at least a little bit and then really dive into you know some Amazon strategies that will work you know before and after COVID-19 uh, you know stops affecting everybody so badly but um, yeah so what are you seeing from your brands and we were talking just offline I mean sure. Tell me kind of what you're saying. You're saying these crazy percentage numbers down and up. Yeah, I, I, I have some some brands like everybody else, I think. I mean, I guess people doing really bad right now is if you sold those neck pillows for planes or you sold some like cruise specific stuff or casinos. Like, I mean, that, that, that's, that's, that is bad. But uh, my worst outcomes for some of my brands is down 40, 50, 55 percent, which is which is bad. There's no sugarcoating that. And in other ones, I have, just depending on the week, up 12, 14, 1600%. Um, things that I've never seen ever as a seller. It's, I think I, I think I referred to it offline as Q4 times five or something. Q4 times 10 is just impossible to track. Forecasting is just, you know, just don't do it. Just ride. PPC on one hand is, 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 is horrible. And in other hands, it's on the other hand, it's like I've never had such an amazing return. So it's all over the place. I've just been a fan of I didn't quote I didn't create this, but in good times you should run ads, and in bad times you must run ads, and that's served me well, and I hope it continues. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. So from all the stuff you're seeing in the different niches and industries, what are some of the maybe actions or things that you've been able to? you know, adapt to or take action on that have, you know, kept you afloat or get got sales going the right direction or prevented a bunch of, you know, even worse losses? Yeah, you know, 
it, a lot of people online are really talking about what was it march 15th or when was it that the essentials non-essentials mm-hmm. march 18th yeah right so for me the impact and the, the the getting prepared i didn't foresee that i don't think anybody did but i was preparing weeks before that and, and my fear was not essential non-essential my my fear was fba center shutdowns and it was recalling as much inventory as i could i want to maintain some fba but i want to bolster my FBM, Merchant Fulfilled Prime, uh, vendor direct ship on the VC side. I wanted to make sure that I had that as an option. And and I've always kept, not always, I, I, before COVID hit, I was about 50%, you know, some variation of Merchant Fulfilled and 50% Prime. So I was about as ready as you could be for it. So I, I, I definitely switched a lot more into Merchant Fulfilled. As far as the logistics side, that's that's about it. You know, you couldn't really apply if they weren't already in it for Merchant Fulfilled Prime. It does look like they've relaxed a lot of the metrics or some of the metrics of stuff that's arriving not in time, they're not penalizing you for. Uh, other things that I've done now that have been having great results is Amazon Live Video. Uh, just massive captive audience there. Uh, you're on social media, YouTube or Amazon. so. At this point, you could just put out mediocre or even, I dare say, bad live video, and it's just having an, an amazing result, getting a lot of followers on live video, getting uh, some great uh, returns on that. Uh, the Amazon Posts program, just the, the just everything surrounding that, the metrics are just through the roof in a positive way. I'd say some of those, those were some of the biggest levers I've thrown because of what's going on. Yeah, no, I remember we talked a little bit about the, the live video and we started testing that as, as well. So what what is, for those that don't know, like how can they go do that? Some of the objections I've heard to clients say is like, well, I don't want to do that myself. Can you guys do it for us? Or who's going to be doing yeah. the video, you know? So what's like the simplest way to get that tested? The simplest way is the, the scariest way for most people and that is your app on your phone. Uh, fortunately, the live video I'm seeing even with some, you know, very polished household name brands, the the more produced the video is with lighting and avatar like quality, the poorer it's performing. So selfie style or your phone on a tripod or your phone leaned up against some books and no one knows what's propping it up and talking about your product. Uh, that's what I've seen has had the best results. Uh, you you obviously can incorporate something like VMix or Wirecast or some other you know tele, some other streaming tool Ecamm Live uh, to to jazz it up a little bit or maybe have like a lower third but instead it's flashing a you know a coupon code with that sense of urgency I mean think QVC think QVC Home Shopping Network try to do that with your phone and it's simple. Yeah, no, I think if people haven't tested that and you have a product that could fit, it's it's worth a shot. And, you know, from what you're saying, you know, it's okay if it's bad or not not good quality. Like it might actually I'm work. I'm scared really to well. say it's okay to be bad just in case somebody else's definition of bad is like much worse than mine. <laughs> yep, exactly. Cool. Well, that's a great tip. And um, yeah, so I wanted to ask you about, because um, I know you do a lot of private label. That's your core business in the makeup of your sales from what I understand but you also do quite a bit of the wholesale model and I wanted to ask a little bit about that how you're using that is it related to 
your private label brands or is it just complete, basically a completely different business? Both answers were, both answers would be right. So it's, it, it, it makes up 15% of my revenues. Um, it's an amazing model as far as, you know, turning, turning inventory and making money. I'm a fan of opening up, you know, traditional brick and mortar retail stores that support my brand, leveraging the foot traffic that's there and, you know, Groupon and everything else that I can turn on that because I have a storefront for the launch as part of the launch of my private label products. Like obviously there's a lot more to a launch that we both know, and I'm sure your listeners know, but I I've enjoyed leveraging that as part of my PL. Now, if you have a brick and mortar location, you have overhead, you have, you know, in, in some cases expensive overhead um, that you now need to pay. So my, my thought process on that was, you know, before PL became a full-time thing for me, I had done arbitrage wholesale. I still do Amazon self-publishing, merch by everything. But I knew on the wholesale model that or reselling that a lot of brands say no, if you're just an Amazon seller, but if you're a storefront, in most cases, it's okay if you also sell on Amazon. And I think in their minds, it's, if you're just an Amazon seller, you could be some socially awkward, you know, zero business skills having person working in your mom's basement. But that if you have a storefront, it, it legitimizes you, even though that's total BS, but one has nothing to do with the other, but it legitimizes you more in their eyes. So I, I said, you know what, if I'm going to have these storefronts and, and I'm going to launch these physical products, then why don't I, my PLs, why don't I also reach out to the brands? that don't want to sell to just the average person. They want someone to have the storefront. So there's less competition there. There's more hurdles to get that relationship started with the brand. And it would be a very easy way to pay and profit on the overhead that I have from the store. So I would begin with products that complemented my brand. And I would say my logic was kind of, you know, one of my coffee grinders when I went to launch it, um, I was in the process of manufacturing and everything. And I like to run a lot of, you know, quizzes, trivia, polls, and contests with tools like on Facebook way in advance of the launch to build my lists and get my content machine going. So one of the things I could do is I didn't have a grinder to give away on the contest and people didn't identify my yet to be launched grinder as something of high value. So I would, I would open a wholesale account, say with like DeLonghi or some other like massive known brand in the coffee space. And I would be able to get wholesale pricing on these amazing known things and use them as the giveaway on the contest. Uh, and that model is just continued. But then what happens is, is like, okay, I have all the brands that I would want to carry in my store, but I still want to make money. I'm not opposed to reaching out to a random wholesale brand and be like, yeah, hey, I want to resell your stuff. You know, I know Amazon, uh, will you sell to me? And, 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 that, and that adds up. Gotcha. No, that's interesting. So I'm guessing most people listening, including myself, you know, we don't have a physical retail store. So if someone wanted to dip their toes into that without having to have the physical location, would you still recommend that like, and to complement their private label brand? Absolutely. What? Absolutely. hundred percent. What I, the only thing I would say different is years ago, I used to give some advice that I'm, I'm, I'm walking back now because when things change, you change. Like I feel like it was good advice at the time. And Four, say 14 years ago, if I was opening up a wholesale account, 
and they said, hey, do you have a storefront? And I didn't, and I'm working out of a storage, an extra space storage unit, right? And they have a storefront? Yes. And I would lie. And my, my justification there was, I, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. And you know what, it's gonna be harder for you to stop selling for me once you've already started. My foot's in the door. We've broke bread with each other. I felt more confident coming from that, from that side of things. But brands, I don't believe that way anymore. Brands now, are a lot, a lot more hip to Amazon. And if you order a thousand pairs of hat, shoes from them and they're used to dealing with brick and mortar stores that order 60 pairs for the year, they're no longer gonna think, wow, you're a great store. Like you must, I wish I, wish I knew what you were doing. They're like, oh, that's an Amazon seller. So lying is just gonna get you in hot water. It can cost you your account. It's becoming easier and easier, thankfully, for brands to have more bite to their bark. Um, so what I suggest now is go in with full transparency. And that probably would have been a better play from the beginning. Go in with full transparency. Let them know what you do. Don't just say, hey, I'm an, I'm an Amazon seller. Can I sell your stuff? But like, go, go with some business sense, add value. And, and yeah, it would be a great way to uh, complement your, your arsenal on Amazon. Cool. So if someone wanted to do that, they can one, land the wholesale relationship and then now they can take those those products and use them at cheap prices to do giveaways, you know, do content giveaways around them um, to help sell your other products. But are there ways, and then you could also obviously sell it on the actual brand's Amazon page if you're able Correct. to get permission to do that and just you'll be competing with the dozens of probably other wholesalers. Um, do you ever sell it on the back end as well, maybe on your website because it's a related product and you just list it on your website or you, you know, sell it through emails if you have a big email list? Or, Absolutely. Or do you, no. I'll do things, creative bundle. I'll reach out to the brand and say, hey, you got you interested in doing a bundle with my brand that I have over here and, and I'd have exclusivity on it. Um, a lot of these brands, they did really well with their marketing off of Amazon and in most cases, they don't even know how their listings got created on Amazon. So being able to go to them and say, and, and give them, I'd say even an average PL seller right now could run circles around an established brand that's never been on Amazon. So being able to go to them with that knowledge, it, it become a really important person to them. I also look in some wholesale relationships where say somebody's selling, selling a sunblock, let's do the sunblock, like a 24 ounce sunblock. And it's amazing sunblock. It's doing fantastic rank 80, I can go to them and say, look, I would love for travelers to be able to have this sunblock. Can we do a travel size one of these? I would like to spearhead this. I know how to launch it. I'm going to be able to leverage all of their certifications, uh, all of their factories and everything and their MOQs and be able to partner with them in launching it. And here's the kicker. It's going to be added as a variation on that listing page. It's already ranked 80. So there's a lot of upside to to working um, the wholesale side on Amazon. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there a way, like, for example, if you want to source products, the easiest way is, you know, it used to be to just go to alibaba.com. But if you want to try to find wholesalers, is it best to contact brands directly? Or, or is there like an Alibaba of wholesale where you can, you know, wholesale.com where there's a bunch of brands there? Or there. Uh, what's an easy way to start? There's, there's the three best ways to source wholesale suppliers. Um, one of them is going to the actual trade shows. Um, for a lot of people, that's not 
that's not doable, but it needs to be said um, because the next two are going to require a bunch of work. And then someone might say, well, there's got to be an easier way. There is. Get, get a tax break by flying to a trade show and, and speaking to these people at these booths and closing accounts. Really easy. You're going to go to one. You're going to leave with three or four accounts. It's going to be making you a few thousand dollars a month, potentially. Like that's a win-win all day. That's every month. Now, the next best way is uh, something that I call the rabbit hole method. I, I don't know if I should mention here. I have, a, I have a YouTube video on it. Really bad audio. I just created it for my group. But uh, if you looked up, I could link it to you afterwards. You can put it in the show notes even. But if you looked up Amazon product rabbit hole method, it's a way where when you go on Amazon, we know that there's three types of sellers, arbitrage, wholesale, and private label. Private label, very obvious. Seller name and brand name is probably the same. It has a high amount of product reviews. The listing, a lot more love has been put into it. We can identify what a private label listing looks like now, just cruising around Amazon Marketplace. A wholesale and arbitrage listing, though, is you have to dive a little deeper because both of them have multiple sellers. Both of them, the brand may or may not be actively involved on the page. But when you go into the actual sellers, the resellers of the product, you'll quickly be able to do, when you look at their storefront, I say you look for red. And, that, and there's tools now where you don't even have to do anything. Like the tool will just show you this. But if you're doing this manually to test it out, you look for red. And that is anytime a product has less than 20 in stock, it's displayed in red. So just glancing quickly at the first page you see on somebody's storefront, if you see a bunch of things that have under 20, it's probably an arbitrage seller. So just, you just skip that. Um, the ones that you don't see a lot of red though, these are, these are resellers. These are wholesalers on Amazon. And what I look for next is I look for the seller reviews of that seller. Cause mind you, they're putting a greater emphasis on seller reviews cause they're not a PL seller. They're not, you know, going out of their way and buying a tool to make sure that the products they're, they're reselling get product reviews. So I'm looking for something that's like 1200 and more, which is for most people, if they're not using a tool, it's like two years of selling. Um, so that tells me, they would have went bankrupt already if they did, you know, even if they didn't know their numbers at this point. So whatever they're reselling is replenishable and it's profitable and they're able to do it over a long period of time. And then it's a matter of looking at their storefront and getting a tool like uh, price checker two or storefront stalker, uh, grabbing the URL, it'll rip, it'll scrape the entire storefront, put it in a Excel sheet, and then you can filter off what's important to you. Oh, those are great tips. Thanks. I want to talk about Amazon Merch. I've already talked about that before. I don't think a lot of people have heard about it. So, um, yeah, how, how does that work at a high level? At a high level, it's print on demand on Amazon. Right now, it's shirts, sweaters, hoodies, pop sockets. I might be missing one. It's you design something or have a, you know, a virtual assistant or a team member of yours design something, and then you drag and drop it and put it on the template that's on Amazon uh, based on if it's a shirt, sweater, hoodie, or pop socket. You pick, you know, a few colors that you want to go best, that you want it to be displayed on, like the actual shirt or sweater. You write a title, give it a brand, and hit submit. You pay nothing. The program's free. You don't buy shirts. You don't pay for shipping. You don't do anything. You set the price and you make a royalty. It sounds very simple. It is. However, getting found in the sea of shirts with your slogan that could be very similar to others, that's where using the appropriate keywords and the structuring of your title and the rest of the listing is even more important. Um, you're able to run ads, but an example, if I sell something for 1999, um, I'm going to get back. Like I think right now it's like 625, 650 or something. 
in royalties for that sale that cost me nothing. So uh, I think at this point across a bunch of different merch accounts, I'm at like 15,000 designs. You begin on tier, ten, uh, tier one, which is only 10 designs. And then as you sell, you get tiered up and you can open up other, um, other slots for more shirts. Cool. So is that totally unrelated to your private label stuff? It's like a separate business or is there a way to build that into your brand and target? 99% of it's unrelated. There are creative ways that I've heard that you can tie them together. I've not really delved too deep in them. The, the only thing I've done is that I do a lot of email marketing. I love email marketing. And what, what I'll do is I use scoring on, on the email marketing so that I can automate certain automations or certain emails to go out based on who's doing more of what or less of what. So if somebody comes in initially for a, you know, a contest and they're constantly opening up my email, I might assign them more points per email. And then if they're also joining the Facebook group, when they click on that link, it gives them more points. Now, when they hit a hundred points, I might say, I want, I want to reward this person with something. So I'll give them an automation that goes out with a link that takes them to a hidden listing on Amazon. Cause you can make your, your merch shirt hidden or public. And that hidden shirt would be like a brand ambassador like shirt that they can get. And they're able to see that it's truly unique um, for them. So I, I've done that as far as tying it to PL that's, that's about the most I've done. Yeah. I don't think I've done, yeah, I've not done anything else with merch tying it to PL, but, but it's a great, source of revenue yeah no that's cool yeah i have not tested that uh that stuff so is, are you mainly doing just like funny sayings and you know popular sayings or are you like making beautiful looking designs um i, I wouldn't call any of my designs i don't think they've ever been accused of being beautiful um <laughs> but there's a tool there's a tool called merch informer um that's the only one we use there's a lot of great tools in the merch space but we use merch informer and Merchant Forma will allow us to do a lot of like search. It'll allow you to do search around certain keywords. So if you know, like I have some salsa dance studios and I know that I want to create some, some merch shirts that people in my studio could buy. I will, I'll create a bunch of salsa, bachata, merengue themed shirts on merch where people could buy. And then I will search those search terms in Merchant Forma. And then it will show me the best selling shirts with those keywords. And then I could say, oh, wow, this one's selling, you know, 30 shirts a day. Um, and it looks like this. And then I check to make sure there's no IP protections that it might have. And I'm like, okay, I can do better than that. Or an example would be if you've ever heard seeing the, the, the logo or the shirt straight out of Compton. Mm -hmm. It has that square asphalt look to it. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it has no IP protection. So we'll have the same effect, but like straight out of salsa class, straight out of <laughs> dance class. <laughs> and, and then we'll list them. So I, I use Merch Informer a lot. And in the very rare instance, when I have like extra bandwidth and I come up with a cool idea, I'll just fire it off to my team and, and tell them, hey, let's do one of these. That's so funny. Cool. So yeah, let's hop back to Amazon real quick, more traditional. So um, when you're launching a new product or or, you know, just a product that you need, you know, they're not on page one. What are you doing? What strategies can you do these days in 2020 to try to boost your rankings up to page one and get your sales really cranking? I mean, I, the short answer is it all boils down to keywords. I mean, knowing your keywords before launch, I do something, I've done something for years and I've, I've not found a need 
to go around it. And it's called search, find, buy. Now I used to just call it treasure hunt. I'm not a fan personally, just my risk tolerance and maybe there's no risk, but I'm not a fan of like doctoring URLs too much. So I like to get people on my email list and get them to a point where they're engaging with me. And those people I can just give instructions to on how to do what is nearly identical to a search find buy. It's go to Amazon, search this, find it, uh, check out. And I've not needed to with the, the size of my lists do more than that. I've not needed to, you know, be reliant on a rebate site. I've not needed to, oh, and obviously a very healthy dose of PPC. I've not needed to do anything outside of trivia quizzes and contests for cold traffic, get them in, warm them up with content based on the engagement that they've had throughout that content, promote them through into a search find buy coupled with great PPC, an amazing rockstar listing. None of that matters unless you have that rockstar listing. Um, I've not needed to do more than that. Now on the service based side of my business, helping other people, I've, I've dabbled with all of it. So I understand how it works and all that, but me personally, that's what I do. Yeah, no, that's great. So if a brand comes to you or they don't have that big list from the get go where they can um, start there, what would you recommend for them to either build that list quickly and do that whole cultivating process? I would um, recommend a combination of, oh, to build the list quickly? Yeah, yeah, if they don't have the, the outside assets to help with that. Okay, good, build a list quickly. I would say, uh, def I use a tool called Woobox. Um, I think it's like 40 bucks a month or something, but there's other ones like Gleam.io, Interact, and a few others. But you, I, we could build a list of thousands of people with a very small budget, running some Facebook ads to one of those contests, like a user-generated contest. Um, I would suggest that to them. What happens a lot of the time, they're like, ah, I don't, I don't really want to do it. Like, uh, they don't have faith in it. And they're like, oh, I know that works for you, Carlos, but that, that's just not really for me. Can we do that? What's that messenger bot thing? And then I'm <laughs> like, okay. And then it winds up being some variation of, you know, a percentage of rebates. We'll use um, Pixelfy Me uh, with like a Supreme URL. We'll, we'll do a many, one of a bazillion different many chat, you know, messenger bot flows that involve some form of, of rebate or add to cart or, oh, I didn't know your coupon didn't work type of thing. Um, some variation of that with PPC. Yeah, it depends what, what assets that you have. So I think those are really, really great strategies. Well, well, well one, one thing that stopped working, sadly, but that I actually did, and I think when we met in San Diego, I brought up, and I think you put out the best piece of content I've ever seen um, on it, was when we used to have promotions uh, available. Um, and, and, you know, actually, you know, Google pixeling the YouTube side of thing that was, that, that was in my arsenal big time. Um, when it was, when it was doable. Yeah. The profitable Amazon giveaways. Yeah. Those yes. are the, that, that was a great strategy while, while it was active and right. then, uh, they shut that, shut that puppy down, but cool. Well, uh, so yeah, tell me, tell me about your meetup groups and how that's going, especially, you know, post Corona and the zoom, like, you know, um, it's amazing, like such a network that you've built. So tell me a little bit about how that goes. We meet 18 times a month, 11 or 12 of them in English, six of them in Spanish. It's all aspects of selling on Amazon. You know, if it was up to me, I think we would only talk about PL, but if you really want to build a, a massive community, I think you have to allow the community to go where it needs to go. 
And, and sometimes for some people, that's arbitrage. Some is self-publishing, merch. Uh, some is PL, wholesale. Um, so we, we rotate the topics pretty good. We also inject like a, a multi-channel event every now and then. We only have two networking events and the rest of them are workshop style or presentation-like events. Each event's about a minimum of about two and a half hours. Some of them go much longer. And every event on the low end, we have say 65 attendees across that many events. And sometimes we'll have, you know, an excess of a hundred. It, it's, it's, it's unreal. I got to pinch myself sometimes. I have, I don't know. Like if I went back and said, let me do these things so that I could create this amazing thing. I, I don't, I wouldn't have had the recipe for it. What's allowed it to achieve, you know, the, the status of, you know, largest in the world and to be the highest quality, the quality that it is, which is extremely high has been just being consistent, not tolerating disrespect or narrow minded people to like really want to be part of that. It, it's just, it's created an amazing, uh, it's just created an amazing group or in the media. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else I could add there. I'm just, I'm super proud of the group. We, we recently started recording the, the actual meetup sessions and created something meetup events, uh, meetupeventrecordings.com where people can go and get access to the recordings of the events. Uh, I think now it's 15 or $20 a month, meetupeventrecordings.com. And that's turned into, uh, I think we're over like over 5,000 members that have just are in that video of all, which is, which is super humbling because it's like, I don't know a lot of the people even, but it's turned into, I think one of the most lucrative free meetup events in the world. It's just, just amazing. I'm hoping anytime that you are, are in South Florida that, that you'll actually present uh, at the meetup or bare minimum attend. Yeah, I would love to. Yes. As soon as we're uh, allowed to travel here, hopefully shortly, I, I would be, uh, I would love to come out to Miami. Well, uh, yeah, the last thing I wanted to ask about, because we were talking about the meetup, uh, if you don't mind sharing, like, tell people how big your team is domestically, internationally, and just wanted to talk a little bit about that, because that's a skill not many people have mastered to the level you have. Definitely. Um, uh, 242 virtual, it's 238 to 240, somewhere in there, 238, 200, 242 virtual assistants and 81 domestic employees uh, across 50 businesses, 50 plus businesses, though, uh, e-com and, and off. I've learned as I've, I've learned as I've gone. I, I recently learned, I was doing a podcast. I think I had Nathan Hirsch from founder of free up on the podcast. And I don't know if he was joking, but it made me think. And he's like, he's the only person I know that has more VAs than a VA platform maybe had, right. Um, or he sold it to the Hoff. And I, it didn't really dawn on me till then. Um, because it, it, it is a huge number, no doubt. But when you divide it by the amount of businesses, not any single business has this massive number just to that business. It's, it's, it's a good squad for each one. I, in the first business I sold, first Amazon business I sold in the beginning, I, I, I hired, I, have, I call him a coach from afar, Chris Ducker. He created everything that I think I paid an arm, leg, and a kidney for. He later on put in a book for $9.99. So you, you could get everything that I feel like I paid a lot for in a book called Virtual Freedom. Um, it's It was a game changer for me, that was. It, it, it really opened my eyes to not just that VAs were a thing, but that it was a way to grow beyond 
way beyond your skill set by hiring people smarter than you. Um, the importance of management within a virtual team, scaling, structure, your, who your first hire should be. It, it was the foundation for me to build that virtual team. And I feel like because of the virtual team, it's allowed me to also grow the domestic team and be able to afford a domestic team of that size. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that, if that answered it or if there was any questions specific to like the team, I would be happy to answer. Yeah, no, it's just so impressive. So I guess, you know, obviously for people that have businesses, let's say they're doing a million bucks a year and just in private label, like where would be a good place to start as far as hiring? You know, you don't need a hundred employees to, to manage yeah. that, but where should they think about, you know, starting out? That's a good question. I, I can say for most people that I talk to, and I talk to a lot in the meetup group, especially about virtual assistants and teams, it's not who you think you need to hire. So it, it never really is. Um, and I, I can't take credit for this. I, I got to give, I got to give Chris credit for this in his book is that you should start with creating four lists, um, create a list for everything that you do to manage your business, uh, create a list for everything you do to grow your business, create a list for everything you love to do in your business and create a list for everything you hate to do in your business. And you need to fill them up. This is not a one hour exercise either. You know, this is something you might want to get a bottle of wine for like, and you might want to, you know, really focus on this for a few days and, and the perfect time to do that. And, and cause you're going to find, you're going to dump everything out and then it's going to go slower and you're trying to think and you got to put everything out there. And then once you've done that, if you're just starting, I suggest highlight even highlight works better for me. And I'm, I think better on paper. So highlighter is highlight everything out that is sales or strategic. When you're first starting, you're probably going to want to keep that close to the vest in the beginning. But everything else on there is fair game. I, I would then write down an associated skill set that's needed to actually do it. Um, an amount of time that it should take to do that, whether it's weekly, daily, monthly. And then I would put like a little letter R against uh, anything that is repetitive. And that's what that's going to show you 99% of the time is that what you need to hire is a general virtual assistant. It also happens to be one of the most affordable. Think, think assistant, mm -hmm. right? The, the, the good thing here though, is that this person is going to get to know you, is going to get to know your processes. They're going to help you build these processes. They're going to be the buffer. I can't talk to 242 people in a week, you know? So I need someone that everyone can talk to. And, and I'm structured to where that goes through a pretty, uh, pretty intense filter. But in the beginning, when you hire three, four, and five people, you need everyone to report to that one and that you deal with that one, and that's gonna be that person. They just need good organizational skills, they need to be punctual, and they need to work on your time zone, that first one. Nice, well that's awesome, I think that will be helpful for a lot of people, and sounds like we should just go read that book, Virtual Freedom, if, uh, if we're looking to grow beyond our, ourselves, right, if you're feeling stuck in the business. Well, uh, yeah, any final words, pieces of advice to uh, you know encourage people? in this, uh, you know, sometimes feel like there's a cloud hanging over us with the whole virus and uh, maybe we should end on a positive note, huh? Yeah, um, fo focus on what you can do and what you can't do. Uh, seems obvious, but focus on what you can do and what you can't do. I needed to focus on that in 2008, 2009, um, when, you know, the recession and I was growing my business back then and that helped. Um, choose not to participate in the panic, in the, the fear mongering, 
and in uh, all that. You know, it's going to be a recession. No, it's going to be a depression. It's going to just you can choose not to participate in that. And you know, they say there's going to be a recession. I'm not participating. So I think that's a, a positive that you should think about. And, and anytime you you find yourself going down that, oh, you know, darn Amazon, they they did this essential thing and non-essential, and I'm a non-essential seller. Well, imagine if they didn't do that. You know, my neighbors, they hate Amazon, right? They, they, we would talk all the time at the mailbox about how it was a waste of money to have a Prime account. Every one of them, I'm looking out the window here, you can't see me because I can see them from here. Every one of them now has a Prime account. So how many more Prime accounts, how many more new sellers that are going to buy our stuff after this are going to be on Amazon? Because we know Prime is sticky because of this. Can you imagine they didn't prioritize essentials? And how many people with Prime accounts after this were like, I pay, I pay X amount per year and I couldn't get my toilet paper? Like how many people, I try to look at it like that. I feel like it's not naive positive, but I think we're on the right side of this. I think we're going to come out a lot stronger on the other side of it. I think Amazon's going to come out, you know, looking like God on the other side of this uh, for, for how they've handled it and, and, and be happy where we are on what side of this we are. I mean, imagine if you owned a massage studio right now like so we're on the right side of this it's an amazing time and 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 focus on what you can do and not you can appreciate that yeah i agree with all that and uh cool well carlos where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you or find out what you're doing i'm very active on instagram at wizards of amazon um i also have the wizards of amazon facebook group and i like to leave my number so definitely could call or text me at 305-902-1283 Awesome. Well, again, Carlos, it was always fun hanging out with you. We should do it again sometime. And uh, yeah, thanks for dropping some knowledge on us. Well, pleasure to be on the show, man. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. A big thank you to Carlos Alvarez for coming on the show. That was a very, very knowledge-filled episode. We learned a lot. And uh, yeah, so definitely follow up with with Carlos if you're interested in getting in touch with him. He's a very, very genuinely good, uh, good dude. And I've met him before, and um, yeah, we just really hit it off together. So thanks again for coming on. And again, if you are being impacted by the coronavirus in your business, or you just, even without that, if you need to get to that next level and you're wondering how to do that, uh, just reach out to us at Turnkey. We can hop on a breakthrough call with you where we can figure out what can we do to help get you to the next level. So go to turnkeyproductmanagement.com talk. And I think that uh, you know that'll be time well spent for you, because we'll see you know how we can break you through to that next level. Um, as always, thank you for listening and leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate those reviews; it really helps us get our word out there. So, thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen, and best of luck to everybody out there. Bye.